Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, How can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Derek Sarno is the executive chef and director of plant-based innovation at Tesco. He is also the co-founder of Wicked Healthy, a plant-based food blog that he co-founded with his brother, Chad Sarno, and is a co-founder of Good Catch Foods, an innovative company making plant-based seafood. If that wasn't enough to catch your attention, he also served as the senior global executive chef of recipe and product development at Whole Foods Market. I recently got to catch up with Derek in his home in London to learn more about his story and how a personal tragedy set him on a path that would change the meaning of his career forever. In this incredibly candid and frank conversation, Derek explains the role that spirituality and meditation played in his decision to transition to being a plant-based chef, and how his passion for protecting animals drives his work. Just recently, Derek's premier line of plant-based meals for Tesco, England's largest supermarket chain, hit a total of 4 million meals sold since January. And he has plans to expand Wicked Healthy into a docu-series and beyond. Creating plant-based food that is appealing to everyone is Derek's primary goal. And if it were up to him, he would do that 24-7. This is truly a one-of-a-kind conversation. Derek's career is solely based on his mission to create a better world through food, and his integrity and inspiring drive shine through in this interview. Derek is a force in the plant-based space, and I can only expect a tidal wave of change to come thanks to his tireless dedication. Derek Sarno, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Really happy to be here, man. Derek, thank you firstly for having me over in your house. Uh, happy to be here in London with you. It's really nice and quiet out here. And um, I ho- was hoping we could spend the next hour uh, talking about a range of things. And I really, while thinking about what we could talk about, had to... Uh, make a list of things that I wouldn't have time for, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, we can definitely get into after we finish recording. Yeah. Um, but first and foremost, I mean, I look at your background and, and the work that you've done for, for years leading up to where you are now here in London doing the work you're doing mm-hmm. at Tesco. Uh, and the only thing things that comes out to me is that you are, I think, just born to cook. Yeah. Is it safe to say? I mean, what was your earliest memory cooking? Earliest memory would probably be... 12 years old, I baked a cake, entered into a bake contest that um, I was at my aunt's house, and it was a the bake contest kind of like at a farmer's market that they were doing, mm-hmm. and so all these uh, housewives were baking cakes at the time. This was a long time ago, you know, I'm quite <laughs> old now. Um, and I made this black, 
uh, chocolate cherry cake with blueberry frostings <laughs> and colored the frosting blue and shaved chocolate on it with cherries around it because it reminded me of Cookie Monster. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you learn how to do that? Were your... I just, well, that was taking a packaged cake. Okay, okay. And just okay. like, you know, Betty Crocker style <laughs> and just like putting it together. But uh -huh. for a 12-year-old to do it, that is time. pretty crazy. I was definitely not thinking of doing anything remotely close to that when I was 12. <laughs> um, I have no memory of what I was doing, probably out playing soccer. But uh, mm. uh, So you obviously started cooking really early. What kind of drew you into it? I mean, obviously at, at age 12, you probably didn't even know. Um, mm. But I always find it really interesting it, when people find their calling early in life and it becomes pretty apparent to them. I, I I, w I love to understand what that feeling is yeah. uh, and then, you know, see to what extent the feeling still exists. <laughs> yeah, right. It's funny because, you know, I follow my grandmother and my mom cooking, my grandmother especially, because she just cooked food all the time. I grew up in an Italian family and there was always food on the table, no matter what occasion it was. You went over there, whether it was with, by yourself or with a friend or a family event, the table was stacked with food. All kinds. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely lots of meats and veggies and, you know, condiments here and there. But it was always food. So everything was based around food. And it was really emotional. I learned at a young age, like, food was at funerals. Food was at happy occasions. Food was always the base of everything, right? And people talked around it. Mm -hmm. So I knew how important it was. But it really didn't hit me as far as being a profession and being good at it until I was well out of high school. Even though I liked it. And I felt like I could do it. It was one of those things that was easy. I'd rather have gone and cooked than played sports. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, you know, I was always, I was never into team sports. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not against them. I just don't, I don't learn well in classroom situations and I don't really get onto big teams like that. Mm -hmm. I just work with, I learn best from one or two people. I like to model and mimic mm -hmm. what other people are doing. And then I, and then I can grow my own creativity from after learning the basics of what somebody's taught me. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I know your brother, Chad, um, we'll get to his uh, uh, his journey into cooking to the extent we will have time for that today. Yeah. But we will get into the fact that he was vegan way before you even got introduced yes. to this way of uh, eating and cooking. Um, were you both cooking together growing up? Was that a thing? No, never, because, you know, I am quite older than my brother Chad <laughs> even though the joke is like who's older because you put us next to each other and a lot of people think he looks older but <laughs> he'll, I'm sure he'll laugh when he hears this um, so he was vegan I was already out of the house he's six, six years younger than me so he was still in grade school um, and he became vegan on his own he went on his own path I was vegetarian for a few years in my life my early years and then you know I went deep into the other side of things mm. um, to learn and to just grow as a chef um, and I watched him and made fun of him for the most part <laughs> to be honest with you you know he was a, a hippie who loved to eat twigs and berries as far as what I was concerned <laughs> and look at you now yeah uh, <laughs> exactly. not eating twigs and berries but no, right. uh, but I know that, that that's kind of what I thought of people who ate this way too so right. I I totally relate so I'm assuming you kind of knew early whether in high school or probably after high school that um uh you didn't want to do the traditional uh, go get a degree career path mm. did you spend a lot of time in college how did I, that I spent a very short amount of time in university and I didn't like it. Mm. <clears throat> I learned a couple things. I was there for maybe six to eight months at the max. And then I left. Uh, 
Yeah, I just left. I dropped out of school. And you started working in the restaurant industry. Yeah. I felt like I could learn more from a chef that was good than I could in a classroom situation. I'm not saying don't go to school. It just wasn't for me, you know. Yeah. So let's fast forward then. You kind of, uh, what, obviously the the short story is then that you basically uh, stuck with the restaurant industry for many years and you started doing private chefing as well. Mm -hmm. You were based out of uh, New England for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming this was in the 80s and the 90s. Give us a time frame around. Yeah, yeah, nine, 90s. So I graduated high school in 88. So okay. That, so you're, it was the 90s, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was the early 90s. You know, I lived I lived on islands. I, I lived in Wyoming. I lived on ski mountains. Um, all the cool places you would want to go mm-hmm. and hang out as a younger person, you know. So I got to ski all the time. I got to be on an island and, and work around the ocean and work with seafood. I was a lobsterman for a couple of years. Um, yeah. And all of this was these these places you went to was because of the work you were doing. You were at restaurants. Yeah, it was all so. restaurants. Wow. It's kind of cool because you can go anywhere you want in the world if you're cooking. Mm-hmm. If you're learning that, especially nowadays, you know, there's such a shortage of good people who want to work in the kitchen and put the time in to mm-hmm. learn. It's a, it's it's dwindling. So yeah. the, the the there's plenty of opportunities there if you want to do that. You know? Yeah, and so in the restaurant space, I know you started your own restaurants. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, were they based also in New England, or was that in different parts of the country? Yeah, all in the seacoast of New Hampshire for the businesses part. Okay, and um, so tell us more about sort of the restaurant, your restaurant experience, being a going from just learning the basics to mm. now a few years later, you were I think probably in the early nineties at some point were able to be a chef in your own restaurant. How was mm. that that feeling uh, of, of being in charge? And was that something that you got quickly addicted to in terms of oh, running God. the show and making sure that uh, everything is done the way you like it to be done? Yeah, you know, it's funny because the biggest question I have, and I think most uh, most people who start businesses have, is how do you get people to care as much as you do about what you're doing? Mm. And it's not necessarily about what I personally am doing, but it's what we're serving the customer. And like what... What's the product that we're given? How do you get people to care about that and put as much love and attention as you bring to the table and why you started the whole business mm. itself? And if somebody can solve that, <laughs> there's a good there's a, there's a good thing. There's plenty of things to listen to and you know, and it's just how you influence. So my approach has always been to just do as I do mm. and just lead by example and to be as good as possible to anybody that works with me. And I consider you work with me, you don't work mm. for me. Mm. and because i i also choose to work with you yeah you know and i i still hold that principle today i'm not going to work for somebody that i don't like or i don't respect or that doesn't have the morals or or hold my thoughts in regard to i can work with them Mm -hmm. but i won't work for people who don't have the same mindset anymore Wow. Uh, so, I mean, coming from the restaurant industry, that's a pretty bold statement. <laughs> it may be yeah. even back, I mean, especially back then when right. uh, even till very recently and probably still continues, restaurants are notoriously pretty hard places to work at mm-hmm. because uh, just for whatever reasons they are. Um, and uh, and you almost never hear someone say say that. So were you always kind of different in your approach um, from the beginning or was it something you kind of... Um, learn over the years yeah i kind of learned that over the years because Mm. younger when i didn't know anything and i was super green i had to learn so oftentimes i would if you work for an asshole but they're really good at something Mm -hmm. you learn what you can from them 
and you can still learn how not to be an asshole mm. from them. But you can learn their techniques and you can mimic and role model. You take a role model and you mimic what they're doing and you learn those techniques and then you transform them into your own creative way to express it, you know? So that was the approach I took. I mean, it's still the approach I take now. I'd yeah. rather not work with assholes. <laughs> <laughs> because I think most people would it's agree always, with that. <laughs> it's always nice to work with really yeah. smart, kind people, mm -hmm. you know, who, who care about what they're doing. Um, but you can learn from everybody. Right, right. Yeah, so obviously you were at uh, a point where most people would envy you at some in your career uh, in the 90s, uh, running your own restaurant, doing private chefing. You were sort of, uh, I mean, tell me if you disagree, though. You seem like you were kind of living living it up and, and seemed to have what you wanted in life. Um, oh, yeah, but at an early age, I felt like I had accomplished pretty much everything <laughs> that well, I wanted to do feeling. in my 30s. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good. And I definitely worked, f I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be the best. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a lot. I've talked about that in the past. You know, it's just, who doesn't want to be the best at some, what they're doing and get noticed for that? You know, and that was a big, it was a big driver for me. I think it, it got me up in the morning. Some, either it was either that or something I don't know that I can more identify with now, mm. which is the purpose, you know. But my purpose was miss... Let me see. How do, how do you say that? Like it wasn't, it's so much deeper than just getting noticed for something. Now it is because it's not about that. Mm. It's much bigger than that. But before as a younger person thinking like, oh, I got to make this kind of money. I'll be happy once I make this mm. amount. Once I have my own place, once I can be my own boss, I can be happy. I can be happy. It's just, you're just stepping into different sets of problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's just an interesting mindset. And to take that away and understand, like, no matter what you do, mm. as long as you really enjoy the process of getting up and doing it every day, I think that is what success is to me now. Yeah. Wow, that's that's so brilliant. I mean, I hear that from so many people. Um, but, um, you know, you obviously had a unfortunate and rough ride from that point to the point where you have kind of changed your mindset on all of this. Um uh, others uh, don't arrive at it earlier and figure it out or at least don't have to face the tragedy that you had faced. But we don't need to go into great detail, but I do yeah. think it's important for us uh, and for the listener who may not have heard about what eventually got you to where you are now in a long-winded way um, was you while you were sitting in the, in the 90s at the pinnacle of your... Was this in the 90s or the 2000s at that point? Uh, this was in the 2000s at wow. that point. <laughs> so you had, you had al already had about a decade plus working in the restaurant industry, yeah. experienced success, had that felt like you had acquired all the skills you needed to be a successful chef mm. uh, for the rest of your career. But then things took a kind of a side turn in your life. Yes, true. So at that point, I had already owned two different restaurants, sold them off, had a, already did a successful farm kind of experiment mm -hmm. that I did for two years, uh, growing everything that I wanted to grow and learn from there. And then I opened my third spot. And that, yeah, then like the tragedy that you're talking about. So my fiance was killed in a car accident um, by a 17-year-old boy who was driving in the morning. Um, he was driving to swim class. Amanda was going to work. And... Yeah, that changed a lot of things. Leading up to that point, like when I was younger, we lost our little sister. I lost my best friend in junior in high school, you know, and then countless, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents um, through that time up to when Amanda was killed. Like every one of those was really affected my life. But 
when my fiance was killed, that was like a blow that was really hard to handle. And it was really hard to bounce back from that. Mm -hmm. I still don't, I, it's still, I can't say I'm, it's not something to recover from because it's just something that is always going to be there. Like, and I talk to people all the time when, when we talk or I do a talk about it or I do like a TED talk thing, people get to listen to it for 20 minutes and then they get to think about it and contemplate it and, oh, that's good. They're inspired by something. Mm -hmm. I live with that. Each person that we get up and are inspired by, they live with those experiences. Like, I really have so much respect for those people because when you go back and you talk, oh, I heard you talk, you know, oh, it was, it was amazing. How did you do it? How did, you know, you're just looking up to them like, I don't want to be looked up to for that because it's not something I would wish upon anybody. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I, it's not like, hey, man, I just created this, I created the most recyclable packaging ever <laughs> in the whole planet, right? Once yeah. that, somebody does that, yeah. I will look up to them and they can take that and be like, yeah, hell yeah, I did that, you know? Yeah. Whereas I don't ever want to be that person who's like, oh yeah, hell yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, a strange thing for people to, um, I mean, yes, it is, it is inspiring and it is, um, it is something you'd never wish would happen to you. Mm. Uh, and to hear someone who's been through that extent of a tragedy suddenly, obviously, um, and have it then change the course of their entire life and having, and to hear the story of them coming out of it, um, uh, does give people hope more than anything else. Um, so while they may not, you know, I think from your perspective, it sucks, obviously, on a daily basis, even mm. now, I'm sure. Uh, but from their perspective, they see you as a, uh, if he could make it out of that, yes, then it, that's right? inspiring. I, right. I, can, I can probably make it through uh, my annoying boss or whatever yeah. else is, is getting me well, I still remind down. myself of that. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that's, it's, it's, um, it's, it's unfortunate, but the fact that, you know, I, and I, I'm trying to see that I don't sound like one of them now but no, uh, no, I know you know what's true. unfortunate yeah, yeah. is that uh, the way it had to happen but what is um brilliant about it is the way you you kind of have found your way out of it and continue to and even what you just said the fact that you remind yourself of it um I think is crucial and I think and I I think it all sort of connects at the end of it right if you if yeah. you look at what you're doing now and we'll get into some of that in detail in a bit but um you think of that, I don't think any of this would have been even possible uh, hadn't you taken uh, that journey that you kind of went on for the next few years. So for those that don't know, you went and then lived in a monastery for a few yeah. years. Um, and that's, I think, where you started to, you cooked in the monastery as well. And and that would, is it safe to say that that's where you kind of were for the first time, whether I guess we can say forced to use only mostly vegetables yeah. uh, in your cooking. And, and yeah, just, I mean, those are obviously must have been two, three, the hardest years of your life. Um, what role did food play during that, that process for you and your experience with cooking? You know, so after the tragedy, it was a very, very short time, 29 days, and I moved to a Tibetan Buddhist monastery, just so we all know what kind of monastery yeah. it was. Uh and I'd always been interested in Buddhism. I'd always been interested in the pure part of religions, just the, the kind part, the be nice to people part. You know, when I was raised Catholic, the best thing about going to church was the peace be with you part, when everybody shook everybody's hand. And I remember walking out of church one time and going, Mom, 
why are we in there saying, you know, shaking everybody's hand, saying, oh, peace be with you. But then you were yelling at people in the parking lot to get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> it's like, why do we do that? And she couldn't answer me. Yeah. You know, so I'm, it was really strange. Yeah. You know, if you think about that. I, know, I mean, I, I grew up uh, Catholic as well. And I, again, I don't want to sit here and, and cr- criticize no, any no. religion or anyone's choices. And um, and we, we can go into a long discussion about religion, I'm sure. <laughs> um, religion is not the problem. Let's I mean, Let me just say that. I think it's, um, it's what people make of all of it that gets yeah. confusing. And any religion... At the heart of it, I think all religions are very pure and are saying sort of the same thing. Agreed. Um, and it's this the rules and the, the the people really that get involved with it yeah. is what eventually gets it very confusing. But I I had this a similar thought. I just didn't understand the show of it, um, and right. uh, it, it it just it, to me it never seemed um, it seemed people were no people didn't want to be there, but sort of had to right and were there for other people. Right. Um, or because they felt they were, I don't know, they, they had to get this, this was their Sunday morning routine or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I, I obviously questioned it very early in my life as well. But anyway, back to your story yeah, on, yeah. Uh, uh, on the morning. So you, mm-hmm. what attracted you to the to the Buddhist monastery that you went to? Did you, were you dabbling in meditation before? Was I, it a... I was always big into martial arts. So okay. not, not team sports, but Bruce I, Lee, I know yeah, that. exactly. I was massively into Bruce Lee <laughs> still today. I follow him on every social channel, even though he's <laughs> not my friends been around since Bruce the 70s. Lee, so. right? Yeah. I love the guy. Still yeah. like read his quotes. I mean, it's just, he was one of my biggest uh, role models. So I was attracted to Buddhism. I ended up, uh, give, you know, some, uh, Dan Brown mm-hmm. from the Da Vinci Code. I catered for him, um, dropping names. <laughs> it's the truth though he took he he if it wasn't for him i wouldn't have gone to the monastery because well, he gave he wrote it down on a card and said look you should go here uh take some time off i know you're working too much you know and you in my mind when that ha- so when amanda was killed i there really i shut down i started just i was i took a lot of drugs a lot to try to get over it. you know not even get over it, but just to get through that yeah i'm not proud of that part but everybody around me was happy to give me anything I've asked for mm-hmm. because they knew how, I mean, it sucked. What do you do when somebody close to you, just something just so bad happens and all your friends get together and everybody's doing good. You know, Hey, well, my, I took as many pills as I possibly could take. Um, and that just wasn't going to do it. It wasn't going to help. I was just going down a bad, bad road. So that stopped. I went to the monastery. I ended up, just feeling how peaceful it was there. And I felt like I needed that space. So I literally, you know, I took, I gave the restaurant to the partner that I took on and, you know, he ran it for a little while while I was gone at the monastery. I ended up selling it to him so I could be there more and then also take on another job later. And that was about it. I would come home to see my son because it was a month, it was a uh, five hours away. So it was in upstate New York mm-hmm. and I lived in New England. I would come home to see my son once a month and I would also come back to defend the boy because the part of the tragedy that sucks other than just a man being killed was somebody was at fault for it. So we ended up defending the boy so he didn't go to jail and forgiving him. Uh, and that was a, that's a whole nother st- part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that whole process, my first public speaking was in, in a courtroom 
And that was very, that was how, that was holding a table shaking and bawling in front of a lot of people and trying to talk. And as a man trying to, one, speak public speaking is not easy. Two, getting crying in front of people is not something I ever want to do. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm just not a big crier anyways, but under those circumstances, I mean, it's just like you're diminished to like the ultimate vulnerable spot you can possibly be in. And then just to have that, and then like that feeling of like, oh, okay, I got through it. But understanding like how that reacts in your body and your awareness and like what that does to you, you know, that whole experience of forgiving and like letting go. Like we were talking before we even got on the show, like we were talking about how we, if you let go of something, you you hold on to things so, so tight and it's so tight. It, it'll drive you freaking mad. Mm. It'll drive you crazy. When you realize like, all right, I surrender, you know, it's just like you let it go. Things just naturally come back. It's a whole adage, you know, if you yeah. love something, let it go. If it, if it's meant to be, it'll come back. It's really true. <laughs> yeah. You know, the whole, the long, the harder we hold, the worse off. That's what stress is. That's what it, we hold that shit in. So we mm. got to try to get it out. Yeah. It's just a matter of letting it go. And was that you think as a result of your, your time in the monastery or did you, did you know that, did you know that that's the decision you were going to make? Cause you didn't have to do that. I'm assuming. No, you didn't I didn't have to, have to defend do that. Him. It was a combination of, you know, t- talking with her family who I love dearly and uh, the monastery, hmm. just the teachings, you know, everything I ever read and wanted to learn about Buddhism. I took that time hmm. that three years and that's all I did was study yeah. Tibetan style Buddhism and just the words for all of these past teachers and masters. And I mean, the Tibetans are so unique and I have so much re- high regard for them because they spent, you know, a collective amount of over 1,500 years isolated in the Himalayas mm. just practicing this practice, the Buddhism, of Tibetan Buddhism. And it just blows my mind, the teachings that come out of there. Yeah. It's just like, it's so, like the Dalai Lama says it, it's, ama- it's such a tragic thing that China, invent, you know, invaded and took them over, but then uh, they would have never come out into the world mm. if had that not happened. It's yeah. like, some, just like, had this not happened, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Like everything leads. So I can't say, I don't, well, how do I, you know, I don't live in what ifs like, Oh, what if that didn't happen? What if, you know, people always, ask. I'm like, no, I, if I go down that road, mm-hmm. I could take myself in a bad way mm-hmm. and just say, well, what if, well, fuck, what if this, that, and it's just, no, this is what happened. Yeah. You know, there's no what if. So it's, it is a, what you just said. The sur- I mean, you basically have to, you can't, uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to make the rest of this episode just about uh, uh, how our mind can play tricks on us because I am uh, as as obsessed as I am about the food industry and the future mm. of food. I am also about the inner workings of our very confusing human mind. Yeah. And you know, surrender is uh, to put it simply, and we can we can then probably transition out of this. But uh, I think surrender captures it all because in every given moment we really don't have much control, and everything changes in every given moment. And um, to kind of bring it back to uh, my previous criticism of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. even you look at, you know, and this, some people may not want to hear this, but you look at Christ on the cross, it's a sign of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I mean by yeah, the heart of most religious teachings is kind of uh, the same message. If you look deep enough and you're willing mm-hmm. to look past all the dogma and the rules. Um, 
but I think, you know, kind of bringing it back to, to the conversation we were having, I think my original question was about food. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that right. time, the time <laughs> in the monastery, uh, no, it's great. Um, the time of the monastery, you were, you were, did you want to cook? Was that part of your no, just? No, I didn't want to do it. Dude, I didn't want to live okay. when I went to the monastery. I, you know, to be completely frank, yeah, yeah. I was at a point where I just didn't want, I could not. And when I think about it now, I mean, it's really, it's hard. I could not fathom the feeling that I couldn't do anything to prevent what happened or help ease the pain. Mm. There was three hours of there from the time of her accident till the time she was pronounced dead. And I'm, you know, I've made it there 10 minutes after that. I was the first one there and the first one to be told. And it felt like the world just collapsed on me. And I couldn't do anything because I knew, I mean, you must, I just imagine if something happened to me, I know how my feelings are when I get hurt, stub my toe, anything happens, like that pain, I could not, I can't fathom it. Like to think about somebody that you love Mm -hmm. so much in pain, that, but that feeling, so that's what extended into the monastery and makes, Mm -hmm. and still to, with me today. So I totally lost the question now. No, no <laughs> because it's just, it's just like yeah. No, I totally understand. No, I, you didn't want to cook. I mean, you seem like you didn't want to do yes. anything. So I obviously, didn't. cooking was not was not on the right. list either. Um, so yeah, but so you did eventually. I did so start what, to do that. Yeah. So what happened was I, in the monastery, is a very communal thing, as most monasteries are, mm-hmm. unless they have like a direct chef that's there, which is not very likely because it's not a paying job. So. It was a very communal thing, and I noticed, you know, I would just eat and do what I had to do, and I was very quiet. I'm a very quiet person normally. Um, But I noticed, like, oh, wow, everybody's doing this, and I could see there's messes being made, and, Mm -hmm. like, people were just doing the best they could. But I could watch that and be like, ah, you know, I know I could probably help, so let me start cooking. So I cook some food. Hey, this is what, at least I can do this for you, Mm -hmm. for being here. So I start cooking. And that's how it all happened. And it's a vegetarian, vegan place. Hmm. So there was no meat. Nor did I even care about meat at the time. That, that, you know, I was heavy into cooking meat before I went there. But something really twitched with where there's a combination, the mixture of the people around me, the compassion I felt for what happened with Amanda dying, the only being the ingredients there that had no meat, but it was like this something I didn't want anything else to to hurt or suffer. And that included anything. I knew I was always cooking meat before. I knew that was an animal. Mm. But for some reason, it didn't click in my head. It didn't switch like, what am I doing? Because I never had to kill the animal. I, if I ever had to kill an animal, I certainly wouldn't be cooking it. Mm. You know, I was never a hunter. Um, the, far, the furthest I go for hunting is for mushrooms, <laughs> which is the best kind of hunting ever. Um <laughs> But I just couldn't fathom it. And I know, watching my brother, watching other people, you can live on a vegan diet. You can live on just vegetables. Mm. Forget the vegan thing. You can just live on vegetables or whatever. Bears do it. I mean, it's just, it made sense to me. But that still didn't come into my mind. My whole thing was I did not want anybody or anything to suffer anymore. Mm. I just forgot about anybody I didn't like or this or that, whatever. It all seemed so menial because it, it literally broke me down to one, I didn't want to live. So where do you go from there? Mm. 
and just slowly building up. Oh, I can cook. All right. So I'll cook this rice, you know, I'll cook these barley. I'll cook, you know, and then one thing led to another where I'm cooking multiple things again, pretty soon I'm cooking for all of them. So in three years, over those three years, I cook for all the retreats I was at from five people to 150 people. I set up their gardens at the monastery so we could live off of the growings from the season. Because um, you'd already learned how to grow food, right? Every, You'd done yeah, some uh, right. work on that front also. So I applied everything I learned <laughs> up to that point to the there. And then ta- I was the personal chef for the two Tibetan teachers that were are my idols. Mm. And so I got to travel with them to wherever they were going to do retreats and cook for them wherever they went. I was totally happy doing that. Um, they helped me expand my mind as far as mm. thinking, uh, taught me how to meditate. And as far as the surrendering part, it comes in handy when you're sitting on a pillow and you're trying to meditate because you have to surrender to all your stuff. You could just let it go and watch it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of meditation, right? Not to hold on to any specific thing. Yeah. There's the shamatha. Yes. You hold on to a point, you focus on that point and you just hold that, hold that. And you let it, you see it fade away. You grab it again. You hold it, hold it, hold it. The vipassana part, because you have to join them, is all about the letting go. So you hold, let go, hold, let go. And you just keep practicing that over and over again. And you increase that space between thoughts. And that gap between each thought increases and gets bigger and bigger. And that's the place you rest in. Mm-hmm. And That's how the meditation works. At least that's how I feel it. And mm-hmm. that's how it's been explained to me a little bit. And that's how it feels good to me. And Dude, sometimes I'll sit on a pillow and it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I know. I know, <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> I am not a freaking teacher. I am not perfect yeah. at it. It's just like I try every day and every day it gets better and better. Yeah. Or some days like, holy shit, man, I just stepped back like three years. I suck at this today. You know, this yeah. is my mind won't shut up. Mm-hmm. But you just sit in your lot. Then you just have to, I recognize it. Yeah. You laugh at it. Like I'm not my thoughts. I'm not the shit that's going on in my head. I can sit and I can watch you. Mm. And sometimes you hold me tight and like I'm in it, but then when I can poke my head out of it and be like, oh, okay, fuck, I'm not really in it. It's weird. Yeah. It's I like to think of it as like you're watching your, you've got to learn how to watch yourself on a movie screen and then realize that that's not you thinking those thoughts. That is, yeah. uh, that is, that right. is out of, sort of out of your control. Um, but you know, I, and not to make a crazy segue, but I'm going to make it anyway. Yeah, um, but I actually do think that it's in the space between. Uh, thoughts and clutter and our programming of our mind and, and, and our culture and our memories and our mental and emotional patterns that we establish is where I think creativity is to be found, mm. is where true uh, true uh, talent and energy flows through, I think. Um, and and, I, and I, the, re- the reason I'm saying it's a crazy segue is because I do think creative people get better if they learn how to create increase that space because mm. when most creative people are in the in 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 the midst of doing what they love whether it is an artist uh, chef um, writer um you're almost not thinking you're yeah, able right. to tap into something that doesn't is not being you you can't predict what's really going to come next it tends to come um 
so I mean I think obviously you being a chef you also got to do that in the monastery I'm sure the the other monks were were happy to have you there uh, yeah. trained uh, chef uh, yeah. <laughs> with a ton of experience and uh, so I don't know if they tried to prevent you from leaving eventually no, no, but no, uh, how did that kind of come about the journey back into I don't want to say reality because you know what is what is that anyway yeah. uh, but back into um, the world the world i know your next move was was whole foods um how did that opportunity come about yeah so that was when my brother you know my family was super good with what happened and they understood you know my son um his mom from way back you know they all knew i was at the monastery my my brother chad he had been over and he you know he'd visited and he had got the job with john mackey mm -hmm. and was helping start up the whole health eating program that they were doing. And he was like, dude, I'm going to send your resume around. And so he kept sending my resume around, you know, and I got a couple of job offers and I, it's funny. Cause I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm totally happy here. He's like, and it really wasn't, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have come out as soon as, as I did, because he was just like, dude, you can cook, you're talented. You have to come in and you have to, show people what you're learning mm -hmm. because people could stand to use what you know now. So that's how so that's it goes it. back to the crunchy hippie brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have to give credit to him. So you yeah. went and started working at whole foods. What was your role there? Um, and yeah, how, you were there for a few years, right? How was I was there. Experience? So I started off as the, the global healthy eating chef mm -hmm. and my brother was the educator. So we worked, got to work together for the first time ever, other than on the on the farm that we were doing mm -hmm. a while back, um, and developing. Chad developed a curriculum for training team members, and I implemented it and brought the recipes and the ideas. And to do that, you know, every level from the monastery, learning how to just cook greens and grains and beans the way I wanted to do it, to working with a bunch of the doctors, the board of doctors from Whole Foods, you know, the Essestines, the Col Colin Campbell, you know, Jill Furman, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Stoll. And this all, was for the immersion programs they were doing? All of or? the immersions. Okay. So yeah, okay. we catered them, we spoke at them, we did demos at them, all of them, for a good wow. four or five years. Uh, working closely with Rip Essestine, who you know. Mm -hmm. um, and coming at it and just seeing one extreme to another, like seeing what the ultimate pure diet is, whole food, plant-based, no oil, no added sugars, no processed sugars, no processed foods, minimal sodium. <laughs> I'll just leave that right there. <laughs> it's a, re it's the optimal diet. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dish it. It is the best way to eat. Mm -hmm. Is it practical? That's another, that's for each individual to decide. But it is probably the optimal diet. Mm. So that said, it's great for people who are on the road to having a heart attack, <laughs> who have diabetes, <laughs> who have shit wrong with them that they need to fix. And their doctor's like, you need to eat more vegetables. Well, this is your way to reverse all that stuff. And it's scientifically proven. Wow. So we learned that and we became really good at it. But for an average person, like knowing what I know about my mind... Mm -hmm. It's And being a chef and super creative, it kind of, I'm not going to say it takes away from it. It's just a totally different path that is very much ahead of its time. Whereas people are indulgent and they mm. want to feed their desires and they want to just eat and 
enjoy it's such an emotional connection to eat food you know and so i my job was to train it to team members so we could put it on the shelf well how do you do that mm. how do you get people to care like back to the initial thing we talked about yeah. how do you get them to care about what you want to have done and what's the right thing to do because just telling them it's the right thing to do is not going to get them to do it right so did you even develop like packaged foods eventually and we're selling them at whole foods or um, was we, it? so that that different than what we do in the uk now because mm -hmm. you know whole foods has the wonderful prepared foods department yeah. where they just serve everything out yeah so it was all working there it was served in the prepared foods department on hot bars salad right. bars now some of them are also sold in the refrigerated sections yeah some the, now, same, right. the popular dishes i'm assuming yeah yeah uh, okay, so you were part of the so you were focused entirely on plant based. I'm assuming at that point. No. Oh, okay. Well, no, because I wasn't vegan. Right, right. So I wasn't the vegan. So Chad was the vegan. I decided no, I wasn't mm -hmm. going to be the vegan because watching my brother, um, nobody would listen to him mm. because he was the vegan because of that label. So we learned from that. Whereas I wouldn't be the vegan. I'd still go out and have meat and hang out and drink beers and be a chummy chum guy. Yeah. You know, whatever that means. Sounds <laughs> stupid, but I'll just like be the be the guy's guy, I suppose. Yeah, uh -huh. just be just be try to be normal, quote <laughs> normal. Holding, quoting. And especially with the Whole Foods execs, I'm suppose I suppose you're talking about really. Right. And I wouldn't have been able to have my job if I was if I was vegan. So because I transitioned really? into the being a global chef working in the meat department seafood going to slaughterhouses, mm. learning all this stuff. So I saw everything. <laughs> and part of my job, you know, was threefold. I catered for all the executives. Yeah. I did a, a total of, I think, 60 to 65 different events over six years, ranging from 30 people to 1,200 people, where I t went over all those 60-something times in a different hotel, training the hotel chefs how to cook this way. It's one thing to train the guys that are being paid to learn this, but <laughs> the hotel chefs, yeah. you know, every single one of those opportunities was a new ego to, to that you came up against. And I had to do it over and over and over again. So I learned and that helped me with my mind and the training that I was doing in my mind and understanding how other people also egos get in the way. Mm you know, and how people hold tight to certain, their views and this and that. So how do you come into somebody else's kitchen? It's their kitchen. Mm -hmm. And you have to show them, hey man, we, this is how we want to do it. And yeah, we're paying you, but uh, I kind of want you on board because mm -hmm. it makes a difference if you're on board or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest th gripes I would have is like the, some of the chefs would come up to me or their sous chefs and be like, how do you, how, how's it like someone like you get this job? <laughs> And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? <laughs> what, 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 what were they insinuating? What's Just that? like, yeah. What What makes you so special? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I don't know. Someone has to do it, right? Yeah, so, someone uh, has to do it. Um, so Whole Foods. I mean, it can't. Uh, it's it's crazy to think. Uh, and obviously, it's because of John Mackey. I'm sure they had this this mm. focus on on plant based, and in a big way, have been daring to do things before most people, at least. Uh, at least chains at that level are, are we're, we're trying to do. Um, and I'm sure you probably learned a ton about how something like that runs at that scale. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you, did you kind of feel like... Um, so I want to get a sense of when you and, and Chad started Wicked Healthy. Was it somewhere in between? I know it was just... It is 
uh, still a blog, I'm, I'm assuming. You, mm-hmm. you started putting your recipes. When did that idea come about? Was it because of the work at Whole Foods or you just needed another creative outlet? It was both. Okay. So, you know, we came up with the concept before Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Just like, how are we going to work together? What's this, this, this? But all the combination of like knowing what these doctors prescribe and knowing how people are, mm-hmm. you put those two together and you have, that's where Wicked Healthy comes from. Because you have the extreme, you have the healthy, right? And then you have us, you have the wicked, <laughs> that part of your mind that just wants to like say, yeah, you know, fuck all, yeah, I'm just gonna have it, yeah. So you watch diets, you watch people's mind. You, I watch myself. I could do that healthy eating, whole food, plant based, no oil, really extreme. Like I, I watched. I challenge everybody now it's different. So I have two challenges, right? Mm. The one before was like, all right, I challenge myself to go no oil, no sugar, no salt, eat super healthy. Mm. And like, it's the ultimate diet. Um, but it was like, all right, how do I do this? So I ate salad. Oh. I ate salad for three days until I get sick of salad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm a chef. I should figure this out. Yeah. And so I either, one, say I quit and give up this job or to find a way. So I took that salad and started putting it into a wrap. Mm. And pretty soon I was holding this burrito like wrap and I was a freaking man again. <laughs> <laughs> and that clicked yeah. from taking something like a dainty salad, what everybody right, makes right. fun of eating to being a man, to being a, <laughs> like, this is dude food. <laughs> and it's just like, I could put anything I want in that wrap. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to see me. I still have that feeling of being like, Look, I'm eating this freaking huge wrap, right? <laughs> the bigger, a burrito. The, the bigger the burrito, the, the better. <laughs> exactly, right? But I still have this feeling like yeah, yeah. I'm doing something that I mm-hmm. want to do, and it's satisfying. I get it. Yeah. So okay. now I loop those in together, and that's how—that's the food we do for Wicked Healthy. Now. Mm. It's still wicked. It still has the elements of like indulgence, mm. but it's—it's it's definitely so. We're not the optimal. There, of course, there are some dishes mm-hmm. we make that are optimal. Mm. But it's more the gateway drug to wellness. Yeah. I mean, there's things about food. I mean, uh, oh, it's just I could go on. Is that some of it I can't even say is just taste. Mm. Like, it's what you just described, right? I I have a, I, mean, I don't know if it's a dude thing or what, but I like putting things in wraps. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It well, handheld. It, it just makes it. It's the hands. I just, I just think it makes it better and it's just fun to eat. Um so there's aspects of food that make it less healthy mm. that have actually sometimes nothing to do with taste. Maybe it's texture. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But uh, I find that so fascinating about food is that sometimes I'll eat the same thing in a wrap, and the wrap's really not adding that much to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and sometimes, and if I eat it without the wrap, I don't feel that full or I don't feel that exactly. satisfied. Exactly. Uh, and I know it can't be the calorie content or the nutrition in the wrap. So mm-hmm. it, it is some of it psychological. Um, but that's so interesting, right? So you just kind of, you create something with a base of healthy and you just add enough of the wickedness to something. it yeah, right. <laughs> to keep it to keep it interesting right. and keep people from wanting to, to come back and eat it again versus uh, be like, oh, it was a, I ate a salad once. Right. It sucked. <laughs> right. And it sucked. Um, so, no, right. I totally get that. So Wicked Healthy, and then, of course, we, we got to kind of get into um, how the Tesco opportunity came up, come about. You're right here in London, obviously, so you uh, you work for Tesco now. Mm. Uh, how did they find you? And um, I know you were also sort of doing some other projects. Like, what was going on at that point that that something like this would even hit your radar. So 
you know, it's interesting. I left Whole Foods um, when they were restructuring. I just didn't want to move back to Austin. That was mm. the only reason why I left because I wanted to stay in Portland, Oregon, where I lived. So I ended up taking a year off. During that year off, that's when Tesco called. But it was the first time in six years I traveled. I was home eight days a month for six years. It didn't leave much of a life mm. other than traveling. And I love my work, so I'm not complaining. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned so much and met so many people and built so much of a network and connections. But as soon as I didn't have to travel, I was like, oh, my God. I went to the first wildlife refuge I could. I got two squirrels. I went vegan the day after <laughs> I left, right? I started teaching myself photography. We were in production of the book. So I started really getting friendly with um, the photographer. And mm -hmm. she was showing me how to do the pictures that, she, you know, I've just learned from her. Again, just picking up things that I've always wanted to do and I didn't have time to. So mm -hmm. I taught myself photography. I raised two squirrels. I learned how to bake sourdough bread, <laughs> which she's in the book, Mabel. Mm -hmm. um, because the Sean, the guy who's in the book, who's, who shows how to make the dough, he told me he wouldn't teach me unless I had 30 days to make it every single day straight. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So when I left Whole Foods, because yeah. I used to go and sit in his pizza shop, mm -hmm. Um, once a week and have his, have pizza. That was the best freaking pizza dough I've ever had that we have in the book. It's just like, seriously, it was the most amazing pizza dough, just the dough. Uh -huh. Like I never fell in love with dough before, you know, it's like yeah. a pizza's good, but I, it was like the dough. Mm. It was the first time it was just like, it shined. And so I had to learn that. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, it's funny. So I said this mm -hmm. in a board reading and I'm not even going to lie. I learned how to raise two squirrels. I raised two squirrels. <laughs> I learned how to bake bread. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> and I cooked mushrooms. Oh, really? Okay, that's so how it started. Okay. Every single... Yeah. So I was cooking mushrooms already, but not like they have in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Every single Saturday, I mm -hmm. would take money out of the ATM. I would be the first one at the mushroom stand mm -hmm. on the at the farmer's market. And I would buy almost $100 worth of mushrooms every single weekend. <laughs> and I didn't care about anything else but buying those mushrooms. Mm. And then I just started cooking them. I'm like, there is no way that I'm going to like not be vegan. And so I'm going to find every single thing out there mm. that I can make naturally. Right? So for some reason in my mind, I love all these proteins, mm -hmm. the plant-based protein products, you know. Huge supporter, love Beyond Meat, mm -hmm. Impossible, all the guys, everybody that's doing them. But I hear excuses from meat eaters. Uh, it's processed. Yeah, uh, it's this, it's that. It's there's always fucking something mm -hmm. with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm picking my something. The gap in the marketplace for me is an all natural solution, and it's not twigs and berries. Mm. It's meaty textures. I can transform a mushroom into some of the most delicious meat that mm. you've ever had. It's mushrooms are the closest to animal products of any vegetable. They're more animal like than plant like actually. They are. They <laughs> in breathe nature. in oxygen. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. The fibers, the way they grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it was whether it was the meditation or something else. Yeah. I just really dove into the mushrooms and I love them still to this day. I mm -hmm. just now I'm paired with growers. I'm flying to like Korea and Shanghai and, you know, parts of America and just meeting with growers and learning and looking and seeing where the future is going to be. Mm. Because I really feel like, you know, we have the cellular agriculture, this mm. meat growing that we're doing. We have the processed proteins, plant-based yeah. plant, plant proteins. Um, 
and we have this mm. the mushroom thing that I haven't seen anybody tackling yet. Wow. It's the challenge of, I mean, and you couldn't be in a better position to try to figure out how to productize that. The challenge right. would be to do that, right? I'm anyone who knows me. If there's a mushroom dish on the menu, I'm right. getting that. Right. Uh, it is. Uh, I have. I've probably not explored the world of mushrooms the way you have. Definitely not tried cooking them. But mm. uh, I, I, I don't feel the need to eat something meaty if I get a good mushroom dish. So yeah. I mean, I, I can. The, the applications are endless. I think it's just unexplored territory, and uh, and I don't think anyone better to be doing it than you. <laughs> um, so that's really exciting. I only feel bad that I can get to taste your mushrooms today. But I know, I'm, I'm sure sorry. we'll get yeah, yeah. we'll get some we'll get, we'll get a chance to do that. Not because of you, it's because of my schedule right. today. But uh, uh, so it seems like you were living the perfect life in Portland. What are you doing in London? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so to bring that back around, I did all that, yeah. and then Tesco called. Uh, so they called, and I was like. I didn't know who that Tesco was. You know, I'm going to be honest. They, how they found me? <laughs> Most Americans probably haven't. If they haven't traveled to the UK or parts of Europe, would not probably know of it. Yeah, yeah I just, I had, I rem and then I vaguely remembered. Oh, they got their convenience store because yeah. there's so many uh, express stores. Um, they called. I didn't believe who they were, and I was just like, oh, "What the hell attitude?" You know, oh, you know, what the hell? I'll talk to them. Mm. Um, one thing went to another. Pretty soon, I was like flying over here do you um, know how they heard of you i don't oh, okay no i don't know how i don't know how they heard of me actually <laughs> it's crazy um, it is kind of crazy because this guy i don't know whether he called me out of the blue yeah. <laughs> went through a phone book i have no idea but it was a good thing mm -hmm. um so i ended up coming over here meeting with the ceo team and like we were talking earlier people i want to work with people who i admire and like mm -hmm. and like role models the team here is amazing like the new, I don't know. I don't know if I could have worked for the other team that was before this one, like a few years ago. But the team that I've been around, that's been around here for at least two, three years, are really changing things up and are forward thinking and super. Like they just, I want to work for them. Mm. I want, the, and they allow. I mean, to go so far as they let me speak in front of twenty five hundred people without asking me what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Who does that? These are employees, or no? Uh, this is the CEO team. Oh, okay. Like, love these guys, and they, <laughs> but they put so much trust in me. Mm. I will never abuse that. Mm. It's just one of those things. Like, I, right, Derek, we want you to just go up here and talk to all these people, and you just say whatever you want. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Like, you just say whatever you want. Well, so what's your mandate then? What were you given? What were you tasked to do here? What's your mission? I, my mission here? So <laughs> my position is a director of plant-based innovation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in charge of all plant-based products coming in. Uh, in the over, overview and in seeing, because there's a lot of players in the in the field now, um, picking the best ones that will sell, mm -hmm. working with the teams in each category to see how we can develop uh, what we're going to develop that's plant-based and vegan. You know, when I say plant-based, I mean vegan. Yeah. Um, the market is to, what do they call them, dabbling reducers, uh, <laughs> flexitarians, meat reducers, whatever you want to yeah. call them. That's who my target audience is, or meat eaters. Mm. I'm not targeting vegans. Like, mm. I'm not here to make, it's a natural thing that's going to happen. I'm not saying I'm not making it for vegans, yeah. but it's like a natural thing. If If we can make people the mission is to get people to eat more vegetables mm. um that's healthier to me period even if it's fried it's still on the path 
you're getting into, you're jumping into the other side, you know, the, the more, introduce more vegetables. So that's the mission. Uh, as plant-based director, working with all the Tesco items, you know, seeing and what's coming in, what products we can get, offering new items, and then also developing Wicked Kitchen. So the Wicked Kitchen line of products, which is ours, mm -hmm. comes from Wicked Healthy, and we have that is the whole range. So we launched 20 different products, brand new, first of any retailer in January. And we have sold more than double that they predicted in the beginning. Whereas I felt it was going to be super <laughs> successful automatically. Yeah. But there was a lot, you know, in the, I'll be honest, in the beginning, there was some people within who were like, that's never going to sell. And I'm just like, yeah, you're just like, it's like everybody else. I hear that a lot, mm. but you're never going to know because there's nothing on your shelf like that. Because currently what I did was I took that. If you, I walked into a store, any retail store in this country, I'm not just saying mm -hmm. the one I work for now, any retail store, there was nothing for me to eat other than like a salad here and there or a falafel, a dry falafel sandwich. Mm. And I couldn't live on that. When I first came over here, I stayed in hotels for like 10, 15 days at a time. Yeah. And I had to, I didn't have a kitchen. I had to live off of retail stores. So I'd go into these stores, nothing for me to eat, nothing. I'd literally eat apples and bags of peanuts and this and that, and so many falafel wraps. Yeah. Or I'd go to restaurants. I was above a beef eaters restaurant. It's like, you know, I, I had, so I had their spaghetti mm. plain all the time. I could have quit. I could have said, forget this. Mm -hmm. But instead, I took that anger and made that mm. my passion and that, that opportunity to show, like, this is needed. I'm mm. not the only one that feels this way. I'm not yeah. the only one in the world who wants an option. Even if I wasn't vegan and I just want to eat something else, there's nothing else for me yeah. to have. I have to choose these stupid meat items. <laughs> and most of them aren't that good. You know, I mean, I'll give you, it's, it's only sample size of one, but... Um... My, I was telling you before we were recording, my sister lives in London, mm. uh, definitely not uh, plant-based, uh, but she, I would say, is trying to reduce and for health reasons is, has read books about uh, plant-based eating. I would like to think me being her brother has, has made some amount of difference yeah, yeah. Uh, and influenced her, but uh, she was when I told her I was coming to meet you, she said, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried Wicked Kitchen. I mean, and she was telling me the kind of food it was. Mm. She said it's mostly healthy stuff. There's like sweet potatoes and there were lentil-like dishes, mm -hmm. uh, which now I can understand fits within your, your kind of philosophy on food. Um, and she was saying, you know, she would love to eat more plant-based if there were only more, e more easy options like that, if yeah. someone else was cooking, really. Because yeah, yeah. she works and has two kids and... Uh, and this is the solution she's looking for. She's not necessarily going to have the time to come home and cook a big meal every day. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it's 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 really exciting the work you're doing over here. How has that sort of evolved? Obviously, it's it's succeeding. It's selling. Wicked mm -hmm. Kitchen is selling. Uh, I'm sure your the broader role also is is getting more and more interesting as new products launch. Where's this going next? Um, to the extent you can reveal what what your plans are with Wicked Kitchen um, and the work you're doing at Tesco. Let's let's stick with that for now. What what I'm working on is a uh, I can't give away the I can't give away everything because mm -hmm. there's competitors. Mm -hmm. I mean, they follow me on Instagram. It's kind of funny. Oh, that's crazy. It's, it's I love it though because yeah. I I encourage all retailers to get their shit together and start offering more food yeah. because 
I mean, yeah. I've said it on other... basically lit a fire up the asses. And yeah, they yeah, have I've no said, choice. I've said it kind of before. It's just like, <laughs> hey, I'm not going to show you my hand, but come to the table. Come yeah. and play. Yeah. Because, yeah, just come play. Mm-hmm. It helps the world. Of course. Um, we have some big things coming up with Wicked Kitchen and with Tesco. So it's really been exciting because now I'll be able... Now I've learned... I've learned a lot more being here over a year. Um, I'm digging my heels in and I have the support of the company. So, and the resources of the third largest retailer in the world. So it's just, it's fantastic of what we can do collectively. Mm -hmm. So we're launching a whole bunch of new items coming up. Not going to say one. Mm -hmm. Okay. But a whole bunch and a whole bunch of different categories that everybody has been asking for. So I put questions on Instagram and they'll answer Uh and they're going to, it's going to be amazing. That's exciting. And yeah. and you're also doing things with the Wicked Kitchen, Wicked Healthy brand beyond yeah. um, just packaged food and beyond just what you're doing at Tesco. Yeah. Um, I've heard some rumors about a docu-series happening. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not rumors anymore. This is confirmed by the time this comes out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what else are you working on related to Wicked uh, Kitchen and Wicked Healthy and the so, Wicked, Wicked brand, I guess, Yeah, the general. Wicked brand, right? So Wicked Kitchen is only in the UK, just mm-hmm. so it's clear. Like, because they can't call it Wicked Healthy. Well, yeah, exactly. Or you, you can't, can't call it you, that. We can't yeah. call it that on a, on a package um, in the UK. So we're working on a couple different things where we're working on a, a video series. So to do show people how to cook, whether we do cook the book uh, and they just show like if I can show you one of the mushrooms we're cooking, if you see on ins- our Instagram mm-hmm. and I can show you five or six different ways to make this mushroom. Um, I won't, we're going to show that like different courses. Chad worked for Ruby before, which is mm-hmm. an amazing yeah. plant based co- course that yeah. he did. So we're going to just go more gorilla style. Mm. And be like, this is what you can do at home. This is what you can do with the stuff. You know, it's not a certification thing. It's just like we're gonna we're gonna teach people how to cook with the time that they have. You know, ideally, everybody wants. If you want to be healthy, you should cook for yourself because mm-hmm. it's the best way to control the food you're eating. But nobody has time these days, so the convenience aspect. Um, we're doing that with in the UK. That's what we're doing. So we're also kicking off, you know, we have Good Catch coming out. Mm-hmm. So Chad and I are part of that. And Good Chris Catch Kerr. Foods, which yep. just uh, raised a big round. Yes. And um, yep. how, when is it going to be in stores? Do we know? It's supposed to be by the end of the year. Okay. Yep. And I've, I've tasted been, it. It's amazing. amazing. It's, it's just amazing. It's really amazing. <laughs> I know some people, I mean, it won what? Best of Expo West. And yeah, Expo yeah. East, so new products. So we have Good Catch. That should be by the end of the year. And then we're launching another company called Wicked Meaty. And is that, that the mushroom? That's the mushroom oh, okay. company. So the, I'm really excited to talk about this because it'll be the first time. Wow. So the mission is to take people who raise animals, chickens in particular. And if you, I've been in enough mushroom grow houses now, commercially and just like smaller operations. And I've been in enough slaughterhouses for my previous job, which I never really want to go in again, but I will bear it to to deal with it. The similarities are crazy. You, If we can transition the chicken growers to growing mushrooms, I mean, there's no downside to it. Mm-hmm. There's, you make, you could make more money. I mean, hypothetically, yeah. I think this, right? So it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> you can make more money. It's better for the earth. It's way better for health. What the key that we're going to bring to it is I'm going to show you how to do that. 
like how to what to do with that product if we if we invested just a portion of the money we invest in the meat industry into mm-hmm. this it will be one of the most successful things to come it gives me such a rush and a good feeling that i when i get that feeling it's like a, a, it's a right decision for me mm-hmm. i mean you you come over you you're here right mm-hmm. it's like i live in the witness protection program over here <laughs> it's in a town that nobody knows right i'm not around anybody yeah. i have a table that we're sitting at and a kitchen next door and t- a bed upstairs i'm here for a reason you know yeah. and it's the reason to, it's the mission it's yeah. like you know whether you call it the mushroom mission the compassion whatever it needs to be done and somebody needs to do it. So there's, why can't it be Wicked Healthy? Why can't it be us? Mm. And so yeah. this company, you're going to not only just launch a product, but you're also looking at ways to help transition these yeah. uh, places into now growing mushrooms. Um, yes, that's the that's wow. the plan. And we're in the beginning stages. We're talking to growers on both sides mm-hmm. um, and how we unlock the doors and keys and it's all being worked on with a bunch of people that you've already spoken to. Yeah, I think I know. I mean, I've, I've heard rumors of this, but yeah. uh, I mean, to hear the you're confirmed and come from you is, is amazing. Um, I can't wait for that. I mean, not just because I love mushrooms, but yeah, because yeah. I think, uh, I think the world really needs that. I also think we need a bit of, um, you know, I've been talking about a lot lately about the problem of, um, I like to look at, um, so we spend a lot of time talking about the problems with factory farming and right. animal agriculture, There's right? No solutions. And we are now everyone's talking about plant-based meat as a solution and clean meat, and the future looks bright and and, and amazing, and hopefully we'll get there quick. Um, but. There's different parts of this puzzle or this this tapestry of an industry uh, that is going to require to be changed in many, many different ways. Mm -hmm. And just one product isn't going to do it. Just a product, just one company, just not even a handful of companies can do it. Um, So I talked, you know, folks like Bruce Friedrich at the Good Food Institute. Um, We had a great podcast recently um, where I asked him about this, is that you've got to learn, like, we've got to figure out ways to change every little node in this this weird matrix ecosystem that's kind yeah. of exists out there we've got to start because uh, people are going to be affected there's existing business models there's existing uh business interests and uh, and a whole bunch of investment in places that can easily that should be transitioned out for us to collectively get to the place we need to get to because again as i said a product alone won't do it we need the entire system we're talking about yeah, system yeah. change and not just about you know okay, now you have a plant-based burger, so everyone's going to stop eating meat. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. You need to, You definitely need everybody. Yeah. And you can't just yell at somebody because they're doing something mm-hmm. and not offer us. That does not help at all. Yeah, It doesn't help to say, shut your slaughterhouses down. You, you're, I don't believe people are evil. Mm. Like, I don't believe that. I, I agree totally. You know, I don't believe they're doing it because they want to kill animals and yeah. stuff. I believe that there is an option Give them an option, just like the same reason you walk into a grocery store. If there's an option, you'll buy that option. If it's there and it's prevalent and it tastes good, it's easy, accessible, and affordable, right? So let's make it easy to -hmm. have a solution. We can't just keep going, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this without saying, you can do this though. You can do this and we'll help you do this. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. It's just way, and there are models for that in the advocacy world. Um, The one I think about is I know there was um, a campaign to to stop the the killing of stingrays, and you've got to, you know, what happens is if you're going to take out 
Um, I don't remember the details, but if you're gonna if you're gonna take out people who economically depend, take out I mean right. by basically take away their livelihood by introducing change or telling them to stop doing the bad thing that they're doing. Right. You've got to be able to transition them into other ways of making money. So right. I, as much as I, I agree with you completely, I don't think people are necessarily evil and don't like torturing animals. At the same time, I don't think people who are promoting plant-based meats and uh, sustainable you know, seafood, which yeah, is yeah. good catch. I'm not talking yeah, about yeah. real fish. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about plant-based seafood or clean meat, whatever it comes about. We can easily be then – we're not coming here to take away people's jobs. No. And we're not coming here – we don't want people to then right. be – be homeless and and not have a way to live living if they have only done that one thing for 10, 20 years. So if you could then transition them into some other forms of, of agriculture or some other way of, uh, of, of uh, using their skills or at least acquiring some new skills and transitioning into some new ways to make the same, if not the same more amount, more money than they could. Now that's a more quote unquote sustainable way to grow this movement in the long run. And, um, and I like that kind of thinking is starting to seep into the space where it isn't just about like we're going to disrupt the food system and and who yeah. cares about who's going to get left behind? Yeah, it's, uh, it's and there will be some people left behind anyway. You can't save everyone, uh, but sometimes by getting inside and transitioning these systems from the inside out, you're able to make change happen much faster, which I think is is in the long run the more impactful thing to do. And it's the it's the young people. Mm-hmm. The people grow. It's that's who's seeing it. The, because social media has really blown open everything, yeah. and you can see everything now. It's the younger people who really—they're going to drive it. Mm-hmm. So, if I had one wish to inspire anybody, it would be the young people to like. Don't believe that you can't do something, and just you have to put in the work to do it. Though mm-hmm. you can't just sit around and hope for it to be done. Yeah, you have to do it. Yeah, I mean, social media, which is, I'm glad you brought out social media because social media sometimes sends the wrong message right. that, oh, all I have to do is put up a photo no. and people will love me. Uh, when, oh, you know, take a good photo of food and I'll be an Instagram influencer in the vegan food space now. When that is just the end point, it's not about that. No. People who are actually successful on Instagram or uh, in the food space is because of all the work that they've put in because they just love what they do right. and and it and and the photos are just the natural endpoint of it yeah. for a way to share it with the world um but what you see is the photo and sometimes it's easy to assume that that's all you're seeing when you're when you're really just seeing the representation yeah. of all years sometimes of work that years. has gone in. Like we were, I was showing you so what I did on that Sunday meal prep. Yeah, yeah. Where I just make a ton of food for Sunday roast and then put it all together for meals. I mean, it's one photo you look at. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. nice. Dude, that took like three hours. Well, yeah. for me, it took like three hours to make all those <laughs> meals, which for, you know, maybe somebody else would take a little bit longer or shorter. It depends. It's so funny that you brought up that example because if I did see that photo and I probably scrolled past it thinking, oh, okay, that's like a meal prep photo. But yeah. you describing what you actually did and why you were doing it, I was right. like, oh, wow, that sounds like yeah. there was that the process was what the point was. You weren't just trying to arrange, no, right. you know, little food groups for a pretty looking colorful photo that'll, you know, just blow it on Instagram. <laughs> it's funny because I started Instagram. I mean, we're pretty good on there yeah. now, right? Yeah. But we, I started it because I make so much food. I needed to keep track of it because I forget <laughs> about it so much. So everything on there is yeah, like, yeah. that's a recipe to me. That's, I can go back. When I'm catering a party, I flip through my Instagram. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going to have dinner and you're coming over, I'm going to flip. Oh, I bet you he'll like this. I know I did that. <laughs> that I know that works. Oh, that's funny. You that's know? cool. I didn't know that. So, um, 
in terms of any other projects you're working on, I know you mentioned the video series. Is that the thing that Woody Har- Harrelson is involved in? No, or is that, that's, not uh, that. that's not even that. All one. right, so there's another one going so, yeah, on. Maybe so you're not ready to talk about that one. We, yeah, so, the, so we have, yes, we put together a deck and a bunch of stuff to put together a show. I'm, <laughs> it's funny because I'll talk about it really yeah. relaxed. Um, Chad was Woody Harrelson's personal chef for mm-hmm. a couple of years um woody's a huge supporter of the book he wrote the forward for yeah. our book woody's an amazing i mean the, the guy's <laughs> fucking awesome he's just one of the coolest guys ever and he's vegan and it's just like he's just one of the coolest guys ever so for us for chad introduced me to him a, while, a few years back you know i got to cater for him here in london um when he was you know he had the book and he was helping us promote the book and he agreed to want to do a show with us and so that's what we're working on that. Okay. Who's going to pick it up is going to be the big question. Right. So it's in the works. It's in not works. like you've got no. it produced and it's ready to be launched on Netflix in no, the coming months no, or no, anything. No, no. Yeah, no. I know. So word gets around pretty quickly now about these things and, yeah. and sometimes it gets misinterpreted. But the fact that you're doing it, you know, who cares what the outcome is? I'm sure the process right. is going to yeah, uh, be exactly. amazing. And uh, if it's the kind of people that are that you're saying are involved, it is I have no doubt that it's going to turn into something amazing. Um, that's I mean. So, what aren't you doing is the question, right? I guess you're always working. I can totally see it from the setup in this, <laughs> my house. In this house. But uh, uh, any other big projects that you you wish you could do if you had the time for? Just more. Um, I mean, with the video thing, the the mushrooms, the mushroom business. What else? Tesco. I mean, I I have my handful just working with Tesco. Yeah. Which is... It's a full-time job. It's full-time. <laughs> yeah. Literally. So I work my nine-to-five. That's uh-huh. Tesco. And Wicked Kitchen developing the food for them, right? When I come home is when everybody from America starts hitting me because they're eight hours behind on the yeah, West yeah. Coast over there. So mm-hmm. it's like five o'clock here is when they're waking up and starting. Right. So I could literally sit here till 11 or 12 every night. Mm. You know, I'm trying to take some time for myself. Um, that's the only thing I'm doing. I need to get be As exciting as everything is, I don't want to lose sight of how I got here. What, who I am, why I do things. Um, sitting is super important to me. Going to the gym is super important to me nowadays. Um, I'm not, I just want to live the lifestyle mm-hmm. and be a uh, lead by example. Like, again, like that, like I have to lead by example, me and my brother and anybody mm-hmm. in this business should. It's not about the money. I mean, like we were talking about money is, it's the means to an end. Mm-hmm. It's the means to get something done. It helps. It's not why I do anything. Yeah. I mean, you, there's nothing fancy. In this. There's nothing fancy I'm living with. <laughs> uh, wow. No, I, um, so when you, just, that's so interesting to hear. Um, it's all, it's obvious that you just live for what you do and you're very on mission in the sense mm-hmm. that this, your life is the mission and the mission is your life. Uh, when you sort of think back to your early days when you started cooking and, uh, we talked earlier about your the mindset you had, say, in the 90s and the early 2000s, mm-hmm. thinking that success was important and success meant that you, the things you had achieved and the restaurants you had opened and the maybe accolades you had gotten. Um, where's your head at now at this part of your journey? I'm sure there's much more to come. So, Dude, success is feeling like when I put my head on the pillow, there's nothing there but peace. <laughs> That's really good. And to mm-hmm. not be worrying about anything, mm-hmm. you know, other than, 
you know, what did I say? So I was super tired today, just as an example. And I texted a friend of mine. I'm like, look, I notice when I get really tired, I feel clingy and graspy to things. And I, and I can, I'm aware of that. Right. But what it does is like that awareness allows me to see it and step back from it and then understand like, I get this, I'm tired. Oh, I feel, I almost feel bad for me. Oh, fuck, man, I'm so tired. Like, I went to the gym twice yesterday. I did this. I've been working so hard. And then I think, oh, you know what? I feel all these feelings. And then it reminds me of what, A, why I'm doing it. And B, animals are still suffering. There's people suffering. No matter what. So I have a little discomfort in my life right now Mm -hmm. because I'm tired. And I I text this, I'm like, but. No matter what I do and say and think, whether I'm happy or sad or this, there's still fucking things suffering out there. Why do I even allow myself to feel those? And it's not, you know, it's like, yes, I deserve to feel however I feel. And I watch that, right? But that shit's still going on. So it's just the fire. It's always burning. So it's just when you want to, when you can engage and Mm -hmm. understand your limits so you don't burn out. I don't want to burn out because then I'm no good to anybody Mm -hmm. and I just die off. You know, I want to keep that fire going. I want you to keep going. I want all the people that we're connected to in the whole movement just to keep that thought and to not bully other people Mm -hmm. and other vegans. That's one, you know, and I'm going to do one gripe here on the show will be the people that I don't, I would rather deal with a a meat eater than a vegan (laughs) who gives me shit. Because the people who complain about the palm oil or the plastic or this or that, I am all on board with eliminating all of those freaking things. Mm. But our first priority is to remove animals from the plate and to teach the compassionate part of things. We are not perfect. We can't live in a perfect world yet. We stepped in as Wicked Kitchen and Wicked Healthy and Good Catch and everything. We're stepping into a food system that has been fucked up for years. Mm. We're trying to change it. So people who come at me and be like, why well, you can't call yourself a vegan because you're using plastic or you're using palm oil. Dude, seriously. <laughs> who cares? I'm really trying. I mean, yeah, like, it matters, but still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does matter. But come on, support this. Mm-hmm. It's the better choice. We're working yeah. towards it. You have people on the inside now working mm-hmm. for the betterment of, of the whole movement and the yeah. whole cause. We're not perfect. We can't live by our own. I can't even live by my own ideals, yeah. let alone by someone else's yeah do your best channel the amount of time and energy you have and skills into uh something positive and i'm sure someone else will think that's not positive enough right but uh i I think when you do have that thought for people who do complain if you do have that thought why don't you focus on your positive versus trying to focus on someone else is not as positive as you are perhaps uh not good enough as you but um you know, I think at the end of the day, we have, we're have we an interesting, fascinating time in history where people are doing things that I, even a few years ago, would have thought would never happen. I'm meeting people with yeah. ideas like you that I didn't even know existed. Um, and the best part about all of this is the majority of people in this space are doing it for the same reasons you do it. Yes. Um, and, it's, and we're all kind of coming together to make this happen. So uh, I do think that if it continues the way it is now and it, you know we don't go completely uh, off track and get i don't know distracted by money and uh, other problems that could somehow derail us and and take us down a problematic path in the food system again um i don't see how that's going to happen it's too messed mm. up to that for that to happen yeah. again um 
I do think we're going to see some big changes come. So I do kind of want to close out with one big forward-looking question. Um, I usually give the year 2050 because we're going to be about 10 billion people on the planet. Uh, There's not going to be more land, uh, more fresh water, uh, more space, more uh, clean air for us and the generations after us if we do not fix the food system. So I don't think if it is a... You know, we have to, we, you know, we must feed the, fix the food system. I guess we have to. There's no choice. We either do it, and if you do it, we're going to be in a better place in 2050. If you don't, we're all going to be completely ruined. So mm-hmm. if you get it right, though, if all of us and many more, perhaps someone listening to this right now, uh, goes and does something positive with their time and energy and skills, what kind of food system do you envision, say, in the year 2050, if we get it right and all of us succeed in our own sense and whatever we're doing. What a food system looks like then. Yeah. I'm just going to remind you, 2050 is only 32 years of it. (laughs) It's not far. I mean, we could see that. Yeah. I might see that in my lifetime. (laughs) We we might see that. Um, If it goes the way I plan, there'll be a drastic shift over the next five or 10 years. Drastic. You know, the plant-based protein is going to come to light. The cellular agriculture will come up on the tail end of that, and if not sooner, I hope every one of these parts plays a, plays a thing. I am going to, I really feel like the plant-based protein has been going for now five or 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's coming along and there's more now that I'm being presented with than I've ever seen before in my life. So many companies approaching because they know whether it's a trend or not hop on the bandwagon, right? It's not a trend. I'll secretly it's, it's not a trend. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's here to stay. So that's a little bit mm-hmm. of bit for those guys coming on. Yeah. Whether you're a meat company or not, invest your money in plant-based because it's only going to help. Our mission, you know, how I see it is everybody plays plays their role. I see somebody is going to come up with that solution that's going to solve the packaging problem. That's, the packaging thing right now is huge. Mm-hmm. The plastic, you know, how do we solve that problem? Whoever's going to. I can't do it. I'm do working on this, you know, I, and I'm not a scientist. <laughs> you not more hours in a day to that do needs that. To be, that needs to be solved. So hopefully some young chap out there, mm-hmm. woman, is just going to crank that out mm-hmm. in the next five years. We'll have the solution. I really believe the, the mushrooms. Everyone, when I talk about mushrooms, I'm not talking about white button and mm-hmm. chestnut mushrooms and portobellos. I'm talking about growing some of these exotic ones that can be grown, are grown in Asia a lot. None of them are grown in the U.S. Um, really taking these transitioning the farmers into growing more. I really like you. I have a very optimistic outlook. I think it's going to change. I think it'll happen within the next five or 10, not the next 30. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to kick us off for a really good start. And then the younger people who are going to be much smarter than us Mm -hmm. and have all this technology are going to just improve. Because even if you look at the plant-based proteins as example, from when they launched on the, you know, if we say beyond Meat was one of the first ones, the improvement that's happened in such a short time is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. So I can only see that accelerating more and more and more for us. And we'll be able to, to see that, you know, and I'd be happy to hand off the baton so I can go back to the monastery. <laughs> that's my goal is to go back and sit and just, you know, keep working at it, but maybe from a different angle. Well, I need you to keep working. I think everyone needs you to keep working at the pace you are now so we do get to that point <laughs> and then you can take that vacation Thanks. in the Thanks. monastery. Thanks. But uh, thank you, Derek. Thanks for having me over. This is, uh, I've obviously been a 
super enlightening and uh, interesting conversation. Uh, I feel like we can talk for hours, but uh, I'm sure we'll do this again soon. But I uh, so. um, I look forward to seeing the amazing new work you're doing and um, and getting a chance to work together in the future. Thanks, man. Really good to have you. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.